What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Two Minute Drill presented by Deep Dive Sports. It's your boy Nick, joined by David and Dom. As always, we're going to hit right into our quarter one here, recap time. We do have a lot of games to recap. Um, I think my new goal going forward is any game that we preview, we'll recap the next week to keep it pretty simple, unless there were some crazy games that were going on, um, which I think I added a couple, a couple, but um, first we're going to preview the Monday night game versus, or not preview, recap the Monday night game for the Lions and the Packers. Um, Dom- Thursday. Sorry, shit, man. Wow. I'm off, I'm off of it today. Thursday night recap Lions Packers Dom. Go. Um, the Lions are legit. I thought they were legit coming into the season, but the way that they played the first four weeks, I think they are maybe not a Super Bowl contender this year, but they're definitely on that trajectory. And I think the NFC um, North is theirs for the taking. Okay. Jordan Love, I saw. I still continue to see a lot of good signs from him, which upsets me because. Packers fans are probably the most spoiled fan base in football right now. Going from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers to what's looking like Jordan Love. Um, but um, I, I think there's there's still too many holes on that team. But I, I like the future for both organizations. I agree. I agree with a lot of that. Uh, David, what you got? Um, so I think Jared Goff is finally returning to form. From when he went was on the uh, Super Bowl contending Rams, um, <clears throat> and I think that I agree with Dom in the with the Packers uh, because Jordan Love is working out right as of right now, working really well for them. Uh, they they had a lot of success um, this game with him. Uh, he went 23 for 36, 246 yard, yards, one touchdown and two interceptions. Yes, one to two is not great, but still, he's he's showing promise. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think we, we talked about it at the beginning of the season, I think probably the week before too, like just how – crazy it is that the Packers might be doing it again. I mean, I, I would like to see Jordan Love in a full season, maybe a, a full career before we say, hey, they did it again. But he's definitely looking like he could be a pretty decent starter within the league and and maybe develop in, into a franchise quarterback for the Packers. So it's definitely interesting. Um, that's something maybe we'll try to dive more into in something, some different format to try to figure out, you know, how they're doing that <laughs> trying to do some little investigating. I don't know. I hope somebody does because it's uh it's weird. It's definitely weird. But yeah, I, I Jared Goff, I I agree with you, David, coming back into form. Jared Goff for me is like a guy like Kirk Cousins, where I think a lot of people like kind of shit on a little too much and don't give him enough credit for how good that he actually is. Now I don't think Jordan Love is gonna be like a top five quarterback in the league. I don't think this is a guy not Jordan Love, Jared Goff, sorry, is not going to be like a top five quarterback in the league. I don't even think he's really a guy that's going to like win you a lot of games, but he's going to be a guy that's going to play consistent, not turn the ball over too much. Like he's a really good game manager at times. He's going to have really good games. Um, And then 
every once in a while, he's going to have a really awful game. But for the most part, he's going to be a really consistent NFL quarterback within the league. And he's going to give you a lot of chances to win games as long as the team around him is pretty solid. So like Dom, I agree. I don't think they're going to the Super Bowl this year. I think if they can fill a few more holes on this team and add a few more studs, I think this is a team that could, you know, compete for the playoffs for the next five or six years, depending on the team they put around them. So I don't know. It's definitely interesting. We'll talk more about their running back situation a little bit later, but you know, I, I think that, yeah, I, I think this was two teams that people wanted to see play and then play each other because there are lots of question marks about them, you know, last year and then going into this year. But I think they've impressed more than more than what they've not. So um, let's move on to the next game. Um, I thought this would be probably the premier game this past week in the Bills versus the Dolphins. It turned out a little bit differently than I thought, but I'm interested to kind of see what your guys' opinion on this game was. Uh, David, I'll let you go first. Uh, for me, uh, the Bills def- Bills defense definitely showed up and brought down the Dolphins' offense. Uh, yes, the Dolphins' offense still had its shining moments, but overall, <clears throat> it was pretty much stopped uh, for the most part. And... Um, <clears throat> So they, I think the score was like 41-20, something like that, which is very impressive, to say the least. Josh Allen continues to show why he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Uh, And we'll have to wait and see because it's like the AFC is turning into one of the best divisions, not divisions, conferences. I should say. Okay. All right. Uh, Dom, what's your opinion on this game? Um, I think it honestly went basically how I expected it to. I think everyone got super hyped on the, on the dolphins after putting up 70 on the Broncos, which I kind of understand, but this Denver defense is one of the worst defenses historically that we've ever seen in the NFL. So we, we need to take their offense with a little bit of a grain of salt. Um, This is the first time that they're, really playing a team that I would consider a true playoff contender. I like the Chargers roster, but I, I think they're really held back by coaching. The Patriots are a team that's on decline, um, that's in need of a rebuild. Then they played the Broncos, who's probably the worst team in the NFL. And then they, they finally play the Bills, who is a legit Super Bowl contender. And, you know, I think both teams are very good teams, but – I think you really see the disparity of a team that's up and coming and playing well versus a team that's that's been there and done that. They haven't won a Super Bowl yet, but they're playoff tested. They know what it takes. This is a very solid roster that really doesn't have any holes in it. Um, so I, I think it was a good humbling experience for the Dolphins. Hopefully they learned a lot from it um, because, you know, if they're going to win a Super Bowl, they're going to have to probably go through Buffalo. Um, so hopefully they learn a lot and are better prepared next time. Yeah. I, I don't think like, I don't think like, I don't think they played awful. I, I honestly really look at the Dolphins defense and think like, Hey, this is something that is concerning because like, I mean, you, you let Josh Allen kind of throw all, all over the field on you. You know what I mean? I'm not saying you're going to be able to stop him completely, but you got to at least be able to slow him down enough. I mean, cause the Dolphins offense, you look at, you know, arcane, or I can't say his, I don't even know. What HN. 
Achent. There you go. Um, I mean, he still rushed for 100 yards, had two touchdowns. You know, Tua threw a pick, but he still threw for almost 300 yards and had a touchdown pass, right? So it's not like it's not like the offense was stifled a bunch. Um, I think they were able to move the ball. Of course, you'd want like another touchdown or something like that. But I really look at this defense and and go, okay, you let you know two rushing touchdowns and four passing touchdowns. Like you got to stop something you know what I mean you got to help your offense out a little bit so I think they need to go back to the drawing board and be like how do we fix this because you look at that Chargers game the only reason they won that game is because that offense just out the Chargers offense you know what I mean it really wasn't that the defense was making a bunch of stops so you know I know um, I know they've had some injuries but they have to try to figure that out because in those moments where you do up, go up against a, a good quality defense, I think that, you know, you're not going to be able to win a shootout. Your defense is going to have to make some stops for you. And and I know there's not probably going to be a lot of those teams that they're going to face in the playoffs, like the Bills. The Chiefs defense isn't really that great, so they could, you know, play that shootout game with them and and maybe win. Um, but, like, if they play the Eagles, the Eagles have a solid defense you know, they're not going to really play, have to be able to play that shootout game. They're going to have to stop the Eagles offense. So, like, again, you, you have to kind of correct that throughout the year, but I think that offense is fine. And if they don't win the Super Bowl this year, which I, I don't think that they're going to, I think they'll be competitive throughout this year and be competitive in the playoffs. But going into this offseason, they need to really focus on improving that defense, whether that's the draft or through free agency. And then I think they will be a complete team and this will be a really dangerous team, you know, for a couple years as they can keep that roster together with the salary and stuff. Oh, like don't, that. don't forget. We're still waiting on Jalen Ramsey to come back. So this defense may look a lot better once he comes back. No, I, but I, 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 I agree that there, there's a lot of other holes on this defense that Jalen Ramsey himself isn't going to fix. No, I mean, secondary wise. Yes. You, you'll help that out. But I mean, if Josh Allen is thrown for that much, then he's not really being pressured that much either. So I think that's that's a big that's a big hole that they're going to have to go out there and, and try to figure out. And and maybe they try to make a trade, but I don't think they have much draft capital left because they, you know, they traded for Jalen Ramsey and, you know, year, last year, a couple years ago, they traded for Tyreek Hill. So, you know, we're in that situation where they don't really have much capital left. So I think they're really just going to have to try to, work through this year, try to improve little by little. Um, and I, I don't know. But this offense, I think, can keep up with almost any offense. It's just when they run into a few of the playoff defenses that they're really going to have to, like, beg their defense to get some stops so that they can stay in the game. But right. um, let's move on to Broncos-Bears. Like, the weirdest game of the week for me – we saw Justin Fields have probably the best game of his career. And then his defense. Yeah, I probably, I think definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, Broncos just being the Broncos. And then the Bears defense just ate cheeks in the last like quarter. I don't understand what happened. So, um, Dom, I'll start with you. I think that was the most Bears game ever. You have <laughs> just Justin Fields having the game of his life. For, you know, finally showing signs of progress that we've been waiting for him to finally show. Mm-hmm. And they find a way just to fumble the game away and end up losing. Um, I don't I don't know how you can quarterback. unanswered points in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, 
can I can I like throw I don't know it not to interrupt but can I throw something out there it it almost felt like they wanted to lose that game you know what I'm saying like no because I I think for Justin Fields no not not Justin Fields no 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 I I I, know I think you're talking about the Broncos no I'm talking about the Bears like yeah, that no, was I don't think they would the want to lose that game because do anything. No, I, I, I think that you would want to win that game one because that you need to protect the mentality of your quarterback. You know, he's already taken a beating on the field mentally. He's probably not going through that great of a time right now, considering how the team is is going. For him to finally play as well as he did, and he looked great for them to still lose, like that's going to fuck with his head. So if you have a guy that you think that he could still be the guy that you build your team around, like you want to start putting together these little wins that he could start building more and more confidence off of. So I, I, I don't think I, this is a game that, that I, you would want to lose. I'm not, I don't know. I don't want to be the one that get in conspiracy theories about it, but they, they sit on right now, like, if we're looking at the season ending right now, they sit on pick one and two right now because they have Carolina's first round draft pick. I so, get that. And I, I think we, we always try to find these these little conspiracy theories to try to explain things. The end of the day, neither of these teams are good football teams. One of these teams is gonna fumble away the game in a in a dumb way. Yeah. Like it the, it it would have been different if these were two good teams. And it just it just felt like one team in the fourth quarter was trying to win and the other team was trying to lose. No, what you know one what I mean? team is the Bears that really don't have any talent besides Justin Fields. And the, <laughs> the other <Bears>. one is <laughs> Yeah. And the other team is if you look at the the Broncos roster on paper, you have Russell Wilson, you have Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy's healthy again. Like Jerry Judy. I'm, I'm gonna though, but I'm gonna take but Russell Wilson's been playing a lot, but we talked about this last week. He's been playing a lot better this year. I'm not I'm not I'm not so saying I, the Broncos like I'm I'm just saying it you you look at that game and the first three quarters, the Bears just physically dominated the Broncos. Yeah, and, and all of at a the sudden end of the day, all of a sudden they just stopped doing that. Like it's just No, I don't think they so, stopped. It's a team it's that had so better weird. talent ended up winning the game. But it didn't show for three quarters. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah, but but the, at at the end of the day, the better team won. Like at the end of the day, yeah, we we shit on Russell up. I'm still taking him over Justin Fields. I'm still taking Cortland Sutton over any receiver that the Bears have. You know, it, there's more talent on that Broncos team, that, even though they're even, very much underachieving. Even more than DJ Moore, <laughs> I would probably take. What is DJ? Moore. DJ Moore had one good catch, but other than that, like, what has he done? Hold on, back up. Did he try to? He had he had eight receptions for 131 yards and one touchdown when Justin Fields was having the best game of his career so far. So he was I get that, but but over productive. over the course over the course of their careers, who still... who has who has DJ Moore had at quarterback? What are we talking about? Like, no, uh, we we're we're so off the train right now. Like, I I don't know what. Yeah, did, well, you just you just like slided DJ Moore for no reason when he's had nobody who's thrown him the ball that's been like. I understand Justin Fields. My, my overall point is I'm still taking, on paper at least, there's more talent on the Broncos team that's underachieving than there is on the Bears team. No, I, I agree with you. I just So at the end of the day, the team that had more talent ended up winning because they have more talent. And the team that doesn't have much talent just 
But what, what, but what, I, what I'm saying is, in, in your scenario, the team that had more talent was being dominated, like dominated bad for through three quarters, almost three and a half quarters. Yeah. And, then, and like, then they turned it on in the fourth quarter and won. I don't think there's anything cons- conspiratorial about that. Okay. That's... We see teams make fourth quarter comebacks all the time. That doesn't mean that there's a conspiracy behind it. Okay. They yeah, think. not about that. The thing, the only thing that I have to add to that is, I would say, if anything, the Bears' coaching didn't help all that much. No, Eberflus is probably the worst coach in the league right now. So it's like, oh, yeah, except for the Chargers' coach that can't seem to win. Well, <laughs> I guess it's probably and probably in one of. <laughs> so I I would argue. I would argue that it was more coaching staff than it was talent because but you that's have... what I'm saying like that. But I think you're trying to make a conspiracy out of this, and I don't think there's one to be had. Yeah. But it's not it's not it's, Madden. Don't you don't score 17 like points in eight minutes. Like you don't you don't just in the last eight minutes of a game become this dominant football team that you weren't for the whole game. It doesn't make any sense. But when when you're going up against one of the worst defenses in the league, eventually they weren't playing like one of the worst defenses in the league for okay. almost the whole Shit game. Shit happens. Shit happens. That doesn't mean that there's a conspiracy behind it. They're not a good defense, and they were on the field a lot because of how high scoring the game was. So they got tired. And Russell Wilson, I don't. I I feel like you're you're, you're trying to to make a conspiracy where there isn't. I'm, I'm just I'm just I'm just playing devil's advocate, asking the questions. I also feel like you're trying to get a reaction out of Dom because you just want a reaction out of Dom. No, no, I'm I'm being serious. Like it it to me it's it's weird. It's it's weird when you like when you watch that game and you go back and look at what was going on. It's weird that in the last eight minutes of the game, they the offense stalled out so much, and then all of a sudden, and I know Justin Fields threw like a bad pick to like try to one well, like a pick at the end of the. There game. was also a strip sack and he fumbled the game, but like. Or yeah, sorry, not the the turnover. The interception was like a hail mary at the end, or whatever. But yes, he fumbled the ball. I don't know how much that's on him, but it is what it is. But like it, it just doesn't. I don't know. It just didn't make any sense. It's very confusing. So I'm not trying to get a reaction out of Dom in this one. Um, but <laughs> but I don't know. Just goofy, 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 goofy. I don't know. Let's know what you think at home. I like. Regardless of what it was, it was a colossal failure by the Bears organization in general, and I think it's just another example of of why this team is so dysfunctional and and like how much I want to get a petition signed so that Justin Fields can get out of there because I just I think he's just every day he's dying a little on the inside because he has to play for them and I just want him. We can become GMs of the team. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, whatever it takes. I I don't I don't care, but he needs to be he able to be, to be in a better be situation. Better. Also, side note, I know that this wasn't on a topic list, but I'd like to point out that Zach Wilson actually speaking of like relatively bad quarterbacks, Zach Wilson actually performed pretty well this past week. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I was really impressed with how he played. And David, I saw a meme that you would like that I will share with you when we're not recording because of jokes that you always make. I think I, <laughs> but like Zach Wilson was, I just think he's he's getting more comfortable. And 
And I think all of us said, like, hey, they got to find a new quarterback. But I, like I said, at, when he Rodgers got hurt, I always thought the plan was with for Rodgers to come in for two years, try to win a Super Bowl, like try to do a Matthew Stafford kind of thing, um, but also help coach and help develop Zach Wilson to be the future of the Jets. It's just happening sooner than what they wanted, a lot sooner. So I just think at the end of the day, he's developing, he's getting better, he's having more confidence, and that coaching staff being like, this is our guy no matter what, and them having that confidence in him, I think is helping him. Um, he's just got to continue to improve. You know, I I think it helped that he kind of ran into a Chiefs defense that isn't great. It's not awful, but it's not great. Um, and Patrick Mahomes was probably playing one of the worst games of his career. I think I saw somewhere that said, like, this is the first time an opposing quarterback has, like, had better stats than Patrick Mahomes in a game. So, yeah, I don't know. Well, the, the Jets have a great defense. Yeah. And I, I'm impressed with how Zach Wilson played, but it's one game. Let's not get too no, no, crazy no, no, no. and I'm, say that he's, you know, figured it all out here. Um, not saying that at all. I was just getting saying better. Yeah. He's, he's getting better. Yeah. He, has, he has more confidence, I think, in that last drive where they, you know, found themselves. It was when they tied it or they down three or whatever. Like, I think that was a really good drive for him. I think um, that's a good confidence booster. I know they lost the game, but for him to be able to go back and look at the tape and be like, hey, I was able to do that. Let me try to replicate this and keep this going. I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs this year, but I think if he can continue developing and taking those small little steps and those small little personal victories, that by the end of the season we may see you know, what they saw when they took him number two. Um and and hopefully this organization can develop him and not ruin another first round talent. Well, I never really thought he was a first round talented quarterback, but another first round quarterback that got taken. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. Um, last NFL game to look at from last week was the Monday night game. This was the actual Monday night game, right? Yes. Um, yes. Seahawks versus Giants. What's your opinion on this one, guys? Giants suck, and yeah. the Seahawks are looking like a, a not a Super Bowl contender, but a very good team that can make a lot of noise in the playoffs. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think the Seahawks are picking right up where they left off last season. You know what I mean? I think uh, I think Geno Smith is a good enough quarterback. You know what I mean? I think from what we've seen from him from a whole season last season, and from what we've seen from him now, like he's good enough. Um, I do think that they need to figure out their quarterback situation of the future because I don't know how much longer they're going to be able to rock with Geno Smith. But oh yeah, I I like him enough, you know what I mean, to get him through this year and maybe next year. But I do think they need to figure out that going forward. But they I mean, definitely they're... need to figure that out. But for right now, let's just live in the moment. Geno Smith is doing good enough for what we need him to do. Um. And I think New York Giants fans should be rioting right at the moment, considering that they paid Daniel Jones $45 million. Let me ask you guys this. Is is Daniel Jones, is the money spent on Daniel Jones the worst investment in a player that any franchise in the NFL has ever made? 
No, I think no. that's too bold of a statement. But who who's who's worse though? You you gave him you're you're paying him top twelve, top ten quarterback money right now. Think about that. He's he's getting paid like a top ten quarterback in the league, and he's performing like the worst quarterback in the league. So so my brain immediately goes to before there was like that that rookie pay scale, and there was like a certain range that you know first round picks had to be within, and they could just negotiate contracts. I think of Sam Bradford. And I think Jamarcus Russell. Yeah, I was going to say Jamarcus Russell. But, 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 but I, I think Sam, Sam Bradford had Sam Bradford definitely had a bigger contract than Jamarcus Russell did. And um, I think maybe it was due to injury and not so much performance, yeah. but his Sam performance wasn't, wasn't that bad. But, but, his, but his performances on the field when he was healthy weren't good either. Well, when, um, he, when he was healthy, though, that was an... A, a pretty all right team like those Rams teams weren't bad. It's just he wasn't he just never could stay on the field. I think he had what like three ACL tears or something like that. Like something crazy. He was like me. He just couldn't yeah. stop tearing his ACL. So I don't Sam Bradford signed the largest rookie contract ever in 2010 for six years, $78 million with 50 million of a guaranteed. Not a lot in modern terms of quarterbacking, but at the time that was that was unheard of, especially for a rookie. And I he very much did not live up to his contract. No, but but his his was injuries, not play. The Giants the Giants both. the Giants and Giants fans are gonna have to watch this man get paid forty million dollars a year for at least two more seasons until they probably could get out of that contract and play. Were there like any opt outs? Right. Most most contracts they're guaranteed through the first like at least two years. So they have at least this year and next year of Daniel Jones. Like I don't think they can get out of it. So like you're, I, I mean, I guess they could sit him, but then like, I, who else are you gonna go? Or you can just eat the dead money and just move on from him. Yeah, I mean that I don't. But then again, like you're just gonna be a team. I, I don't know. I because I mean, at this point, they're gonna they're gonna be drafting the top five. You know, you're going to have quite a bit of, of salary cap space. You can eat the dead money, probably draft Drake May or uh, one of the other quarterbacks because I don't think they're going to be drafting number one to get Caleb Williams. But you can still go get, you know, a, a legit franchise quarterback. And you don't have to worry about Daniel Jones. Like, yeah, you'll have a lot of dead money, but that money that you're going to have to eat is worth not having him on the roster at this point. I don't know. My my second question for you is for the Seahawks, though, guys. JSN, are we worried that it's his talent level that he's not being integrated in the offense as much, or do you think there's just so much talent in front of him that that's just why he's not getting all the touches? Or not all the touches, but as many touches. Wait, who was this again? Jackson Smith. Jackson Smith and Jigba. Okay. I just said um, Jackson. I- I That's think why I was he's like just really confused. I was like, "Who's that?" And no, I, I think he's just a rookie, and it take a lot of times it takes guys maybe a little bit longer to really hit their stride in the NFL. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with his talent level. It's just you got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett in front of you. Um, you know, I, I think end of the day he's still talented, and I think he'll get a shot in the league. 
It may just be later this year, maybe next year, but I hope he's taking a lot of notes from Tyler Lockett. Yeah. I, I was I looked at I mean, I know they have DK, I know they have Tyler Lockett, I know they have, you know, Noah Fant. So I know they have those are probably their, you know, top three targets or whatever on that offense. But I just kind of looked at him and I was like, a guy, you know, in the slot like that, or even if he plays a little bit on the outside, out of the out of Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, like he looked better than them you know, when they played at Ohio State. So I always thought he would come in the league and, you know, slide right in the slot position and just be open all day long. But there's a lot of talent in front of him. So, and I think they're, you know, maybe they're following a lot of the model that a lot of other um, NFL teams are with their skill position rookies. They kind of give them time to get acclimated and before they really, you know, throw them to the fire and, and you know, have them absorb a lot of hits and a lot of a lot of yards on their treads. So I don't know. Um, all right, let's look at college football here for our last two recap games. First one, Notre Dame versus Duke. I think we started with Dom last time or David. I can't remember. No, you start with David. I, I went for it the last couple times. Okay. Uh, David, Notre Dame versus Duke. What do you got? Um, I think that Duke actually put up a surprising contest uh they definitely came to play against notre dame it was a 21 to 14 win for notre dame uh however i was a little bit i guess you could say disappointed in sam hartman uh 15 for 30 222 yards zero touchdowns um however duke's quarterback Audric estimi i don't know how you pronounce his last name um hold on no, sorry. That was the running back for Notre Dame. Duke's quarterback, Riley Leonard. That's what I was, I read my notes wrong. Sorry. Um, he went 12 for 27, 134 yards, one touchdown, one interception, but also had 81 yards uh, rushing. So they definitely came to play, definitely put up a good fight against Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame just... I guess you could say came came through, something like that. All right, uh, Dom, what you got? In Notre Dame, not a team that I'm a fan of, as you guys know. I think they're overrated. I think Duke is is a good team this year. I think they were even favored to win this game, but. I don't know. I I I really thought Duke was going to come away with it at the end, and we would be looking at a two-loss Notre Dame team, and I would have loved that because this this team always has so much hype around it, and everyone thinks, oh, they're going to be playoff contenders this year, maybe compete for a national championship, and here they are losing to Duke. They already lost to Ohio State. Um, I think they got lucky at the end to come away with it. Um, long term, I. I I really don't see this team as a team that, that should be in the top 10. Um, yeah, that I feel bad for Duke. Uh, their quarterback got, got hurt on the last last play of the game there. Um, but I think they're a good up-and-coming program. I know they're historically a basketball school, but it's good to see their football team, you know, really start to hit their stride. But, yeah, Notre Dame – uh, my opinion of them hasn't changed, and um, I haven't looked at the rankings just yet, but 
Yeah, I'm probably going to make the argument that they should be a little bit lower. I know you're you're a pretty big Notre Dame hater. I listen. I I think that this was a just a like a bad game. I, but I also like agree. I think Duke. Like you look at Duke and Kentucky, more notably basketball schools. But the past what couple of years, their football programs have been on the rise. Um, so it's very interesting. I mean. I don't know. I, I guess I don't really know where Duke is at this point or where Sam Hartman is as a quarterback. I mean, you look at a guy who's in his sixth year as a quarterback in college football, you would hope that he would be better, play better than what he has the past two weeks. Um, I know he went against Ohio State defense, which is definitely more improved than what it has been. But you would just think that kind of a veteran quarterback would play a lot better than what he has in these past two games and I know they got the win so that'll still help them out within the rankings but I don't know I, I I'm a big believer in Marcus Freeman I think he'll build a pretty good program there I just think it's going to take him you know another year another recruiting class to get in there to, to kind of figure it out and get his guys in there that he wants but this will still be a team that is a hard team for anybody to play this year I don't think that's going to be like an easy out for anybody, but I don't know. It'd be interesting to kind of see going forward. David, I think you already talked about it. So, um, all right, let's talk about Colorado USC. USC was looked like they were going to boat race them like Oregon did. And then Colorado came out in the second half and, you know, Shadur, I always say that wrong, but uh, Sanderson, he, I don't know he looked really good and he led them on a on a you know some scoring drives. They came really close to winning that game. What's your opinions on this game? Do you think you know Colorado just improved from the last week, or do you think USC has a lot of question marks on that defense? Uh, Dom, in my my opinion of Colorado hasn't really changed. They're still a team that's that's developing. They're a program that's you know went through a lot of upheaval in the in the off season with all the new recruits. You know, they're not there yet as a playoff contender. There's still a lot of big question marks on that defense. Um, you know, I give them credit. They're, they're a team that doesn't quit, and I give them a lot of credit in that aspect. Um, offensively, I, I think they're really solid. But like um, like Dion even said, they have yet to put together a complete performance where the entire team plays well. It's usually the just the offense that plays well and the defense is putting them in risk of, of losing games. Um, USC offense looked great. I'm still really concerned about that defense. It was a big problem for them last year, and I think it's still a problem for them this year. Um, the fact that an unranked Colorado team, even though they do have talent, was still able to put up, what, 45 points on them? You know, if it wasn't... For Caleb, I think if they had any other quarterback but Caleb Williams, USC would have lost. And I think it's because of Caleb Williams and how much better he is than everybody else in college football that they were able to win this game. But I do have a lot of concerns for USC going forward. I agree, I agree. Uh, David, what you got? Um, I think it played out pretty much how we kind of thought it would be uh, in the sense that USC was going to win. Maybe not necessarily the score so much than anything. Um, but Colorado definitely is showing that the offense is there. They definitely need 
to pick up some other stuff on the defense side, especially. Um, and if they want to be in any kind of contention, it would be another good year or two down the road. Okay. I, I yeah, I agree that the defense for USC, I don't even think they could really fix it, but I think that's really going to be what their downfall is. Um, at some point this season or at some point in the playoffs, I think they're going to run into a team and they're just not going to be able to keep up offensively. Caleb Williams is going to be the first pick in the draft if he decides to go. He keeps making comments like he doesn't want to. <laughs> so depending on the team that's there, he's going to try to pull like an Eli Manning or something like that, or he's just not going to go in the draft. I, I don't know. It sounds kind of weird or goofy, but I think it's all talk. Which is so stupid. I hate that so much. And with, it, with, if I'm with NIL, it, though, I mean, they he could stay at But college. you're still not going to – I get there's NIL, but you're not going to be making as much as you would. Dude, some, as, some of these guys are making like $10 million a year in college. Okay, college and $10 million dollars compared to what he would make on his rookie contract as a number one overall pick is – it's a lot less than what he would be making in the NFL. But he's but he would still be the number one overall pick, and he could hopefully. I get that, but it, to me, if I were him, it's not worth the risk because you there's so many unknowns in football, and your your lifespan in football is very I, limited. Let me. So let me why why this, risk why risk injury? Why risk having a down year, and all of a sudden you went from the number one pick to number ten, and that money differential is a lot. Let me. If let me I'm ask him, you this. Let me ask you this though. If you're if you're looking to be the number one overall pick in the draft, at this point I think he could get hurt and be out for the rest of the season, and he would still be number one overall in the draft. So I don't think, I know I think I literally think t- tomorrow he could get injured and not play the rest of the season and he would still be picked number one overall. I don't think it would matter. Depends on the injury. If it's a torn ACL, he's not gonna be the number one overall pick. I disagree. I think he's getting picked number one no matter – unless it's like literally a career-ending injury, I think he's getting picked number one overall because there's not very many career-ending injuries anymore with sports medicine. But that's besides the point. But if you're him and you're looking at like the Bears, the Cardinals, who else is dysfunctional that could have the first overall pick? Just those two teams. If they – if one of them has the first overall pick, you're telling me that you're not being like – ah. Like that's tough, you know what I mean? Like, because that, that's that's part of that's that's part of the that's just part of it, you know. If if you're a top prospect with the way that the NFL draft is structured, you know you, that you're not going to a good team. But if unless you, somehow if you a, have a the power Bowl, to be like, nah, I'm good. Uh, unless unless the Super Bowl contending team trades for the number one overall pick, you know you're not going into a good organization. So what is he going to do? Keep keep pushing off when he goes to the draft until he finds a team that is drafting number one that he feels is is worthy of him playing for. Like, I, I I hate that mentality that, you know, oh, just because this team is going to be picking number one overall, I'm just not going to enter the NFL draft and and not, not start my career and, 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 potentially, and potentially be part of the turnaround of that franchise. Because I think Caleb Williams is talented enough where he could be that elite quarterback that can change the, the fortunes of, of Bears or the Cardinals. You know, it, he to me, he is the kind of guy that can make the team around him better. And I think there's going to be a lot of upheaval in the Bears organization. Um, they're probably going to have a new coach, new GM, whole new mindset. They already spent a lot in free agency this last year trying to fill some of the holes on that team. You know, it 
if if I'm the potential number one overall pick and I'm looking up what the number one overall pick makes and their estimated contract is $41.2 million. You know, if I'm at the level of Caleb Williams, I'm taking that $41 million and I'm going to try to be but part for, of the turnaround. But for some guys, it's not all about the money. They he, he, wants, he wants to be a part of an organization that's not that dysfunctional. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, if he's looking at okay, that... Okay, well, then, then he shouldn't be playing at a level where he's going to be the number one overall pick. And he should be playing well enough where he could be first round, but picked at 15 to 20. Because... The the teams that he wants to play for, that's where they're picking. But you can't. So if, you can't, if he's so adamant, blame, it, 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 well, if he's so no, adamant, no, 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 no. About, you can't. You can't blame a guy for not wanting to be a part of that organization. Look what they've done to quarterbacks already the past like five years. They've they've pretty much ruined Justin Fields. Who, regardless of what we want to say, we were all high on him coming out of college football. He had a a, a great arm. He had great accuracy in college. He had the wheels. He had a winning mentality. Like, this is a dude that should have been a guy that could win at the next level, and they ruined him. Now, I'm not saying Mitchell Trubisky was a guy. I'm not quite sure why he was picked so high, but he at least had talent, talent that you could have developed, and they didn't, and it was under multiple different regimes. So you're looking at this organization that's super dysfunctional. The same with the Cardinals. So, like, I don't I don't blame a guy and looking at that and being like, why would I want to yes, of course I could be the number one overall pick and get a shit ton of money. But where the real money is is in that second contract, that third contract. That's where the money's at. And if you can't get there because that organization is so dysfunctional that they're gonna ruin your chance of getting that kind of money, then what's the point? What's the point in going there? Like Justin Fields is probably not gonna see that kind of a second contract. And Regard reality, his talent going in, he should. He should see that second contract like a lot of the guys are. But he's not because of what they've done to him. You know what I'm saying? So it's like if I'm Caleb Williams and I'm looking at that, that to me is what's I, – I want that second contract where I'm making 50-something, $60 million a year. That's what I want. But I need to go to an organization that's going to help me get to that point, not do everything they in their power to put me at a disadvantage so I don't. You know what I'm saying? Like that's I, I I understand it, but I I think maybe the I I don't know I just don't like the the mentality of these these guys thinking that they're free agents and can pick and choose when they go into the draft and will sit until there's a team that they think is but it's worthy their, of them. It's being. their career. It's their life. They have to. Think I get about that. that shit. It's not. It's not all about money. And I know I get that. But when you declare for the draft, that it, whoever picks you picks you, and yeah. you have no control over it. Yes, and if so he decides, either... if he decides, but he he's different because we know where he's going to go, and he knows where he's going to go. He's going to be the number one overall pick, un- unless he like loses a leg. You know what I'm saying? Like he's going to be the number one overall pick. So it's different from every other guy in the draft because they don't really know where they're going to go or who's really going to draft them until they get drafted. He knows exactly where he's going to go. And I don't know if he said it or his dad said it, but if he said it, and I'm a GM. That's a little bit of a uh, not a red flag to me, but a yellow flag that that he's going to have that kind of mindset. No, he he you he know, because wants, he wants to win. That's that's the most green flag there is. So like, yes, like it, it, all of these guys want to win. They're not these guys aren't aren't going through college football and trying to get into the NFL because they don't want to win. Like I I get money is a big part of it, but at the level of football that they're playing at, they're playing of it. 
they're playing this game one because they love it and they want to win. These are the ultimate competitors. Like no one's just an elite athlete that that's almost superhuman. Is like, yeah, I'm doing this just for fun and I don't really care about winning. I just want to collect a paycheck. The the guys that have that mentality are Jamarcus Russell and they they flame out in two years. That's not what I'm saying. I'm I'm just I don't I don't think that. I don't think his mentality is wrong in wanting to play for an organization that's going to be able to set him up for success. I don't think that he should be penalized for that because everybody does that. Everybody in in real life, we go out and we pick things. We surround people. We surround ourselves with people all the time that are going to help us be successful. So for him, but there's also a lot of unknowns and a lot of things are out of our control that we don't have any control of. No, if you, yes, of course, there are things that are out of our control. You can't control what other people do. But at the end of the day, if you surround yourself with people who are going to help make you a better person or a better in whatever field that you're in, it's 90% that you're going to be more successful than somebody who doesn't. Obviously, that 10% is the bad luck that comes with it. You can't handle other things from the outside. But if you, if you can orchestrate it then of course we all do it in our lives like i get we, that but we, we, we would not have surround ourselves with each other if we didn't want to be successful in lives if we didn't want to be better people we have made each other better people through our lives and that's what he wants to do with his career you know what i'm saying so like for us to sit here and be like he has a bad mentality or he has a bad outlook on it like of course it's a crapshoot it's a draft you're gonna go where you're gonna go and i think he understands that but I also think that he wants to be somewhere where he's going to be able to be successful. And he understands that a lot of these, at least two or three. understand that it comes with the territory of being the number one overall pick. But in the does draft, it have but, to though? That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, Unless the NFL completely changes how they do their draft and they go to like a lottery system, or for some reason they go to where the Super Bowl champion picks first overall. Yes. If you're the number one overall pick or presumptive number one overall pick, 99 times out of 100, you're going to a team that is dysfunctional, that's fallen on hard times, that's had a couple of losing seasons, and the future's looking kind of bleak. And they're relying on you to be that developmental piece that they can build around and ultimately leads, leads to success. All of these teams in, that are in the NFL at some point have gone through those times. And just because they're, the, there's a team that's bad right now doesn't necessarily mean that they're forever going to be that way. Well, yes, there are teams. Well, yeah, I get that. And <laughs> yes, there are teams that that are consistently bad more than others, but the the league is cyclical. You know, just because the Bears are horrible right now, I guarantee when they fire Eberflus and they fire a GM, who is to say that they don't find a, a, the next you know or even good head coach? Sells the team, so yeah, but they've they've gone through so many coaches ch- coaching changes over the past twenty something years. And how successful have they really been? They've been one of the most dysfunctional franchises since 2000, besides the Lions, the Browns, and the Jets. You're talking to two Browns fans here. There's no more dysfunctional team than the Cleveland Browns. No, I, I like well, that. Not, not anymore. I think there, there's quite a few teams that are more dysfunctional now. Well, yeah, right now, but like you can't, you can't get away with get away from it until you actually have success multiple years in a row. Yeah, like, and you, uh, you know how teams that are dysfunctional and bad change their future is with hitting in the draft and getting guys like Caleb Williams that are that are going to be foundational pieces that you can build around. Like 
if everyone would just sat out because, you know, the, a team like the Bears is drafting first overall, then you, teams that, that are drafting first overall are never going to be able to get the talent that they need to to change their fortunes. Build build an organization that people want to be a part of. I don't I don't necessarily think it's the Bears in general because I don't think like you look at a guy like CJ Stroud with the Texans. Like I do agree that that he has uplifted that program. And we'll talk about him a little bit later, but that's an organization. Well, and they also brought in a good a, a guy that should be head coach and is a competent NFL head coach. But that's an organization that has also been very dysfunctional and fired two coaches in two years. I would and... say they've always been dysfunctional, but they they've they've been in the middle of the pack. I don't think they've really been as dysfunctional as the teams I mentioned before, but I don't know. It's just different. And I don't know. I, I think he'll ultimately come out, but let's move on. Quarter two, college football. Who had the worst loss of this week, guys? Utah, Florida, or LSU? David, go first. I feel like you haven't talked in a while. <laughs> We've been arguing. <laughs> um, I'm just one of those guys that's just kind of happy to be here at this point. No, I listen, we've been <laughs> arguing it, so it's fine. <laughs> so um let's see. Out of the three teams that you gave us, you got Florida who lost to Kentucky 33-14, Utah who lost to Oregon State 21 to 7, and LSU who lost to Old Miss 55-49. To me, I would say that the Florida loss to Kentucky would be Kind of like the worst loss because one, Kentucky's unranked. Two, Kentucky's more more known for its basketball than it is its football team. Granted, you said that it is up and coming a little bit, but not necessarily too much. Um, so it should have been a game that was won by Florida, and if it was close at all, it still should have been Florida on the winning side of things. All right, uh, Dom, what's your opinion on this one? I agree. I think Florida's losses is worse. Um, at least Utah and LSU lost to ranked teams that are still ranked. Um, you know, yeah, they didn't look great, but at least they were against opponents that were of a similar ranking to the to what they were. Um, Florida losing to an unranked Kentucky team. Yes, Kentucky has been pretty decent over the last couple of years, but they still haven't been that great. Um, yeah, I, I think that loss is kind of inexcusable. And yeah, I think that's out of those three, I think it's definitely the worst. Yeah. I, I think when you look at just pure like game this week, I do think Florida's loss. I don't know. I, I want to say LSU just because of how much hype they were giving themselves this year. And like for them to have two losses on the season now, like they, they really should be better than what they are, especially with what that program was able to do not too far in the you know past, but I don't know. Yeah, but that was with Joe Burrow at quarterback. That's completely yeah. different. I I just think you have you have Utah gets a pass because they don't have their starting quarterback. So they're really hurting right now and I'm surprised they don't have more losses than what they do. But when you look at Florida and LSU, these are two teams that have not been good for a while. And not not for LSU, but other than the one season with Joe Burrow, outside of that, they haven't really been that good of of a program. And when we came into this year, you looked at Florida and LSU, and you were like, okay, 
show us show us what you got. So I don't know. Both of those losses suck. I agree. Florida's probably the worst. And and I don't know. Maybe we'll see Kentucky with another upset this week. We'll talk about it soon. But yeah, definitely sucks. Um, let's talk about a little bit of Ohio State. We are in Ohio. So between Penn State and Michigan, from what you've guys seen so far this season, you know, who looks more dangerous to the playoff hopes of Ohio State this year? Uh, we'll start with uh, Dom. Um, I think it's Michigan. I think Penn State has a good team, but I I think Michigan it, right now is at the that upper echelon of teams that is a legit uh, national championship contender. It sucks because I I hate that school. I I don't like Notre Dame, but I really really don't like Michigan. Um, but I have to give credit where credits due. They have the number two team in the country right now. Um, they're looking good. There's no reason to to think that they're not the number two team at this point. And I, I think if Ohio State loses to Penn State, there's still enough time in the season to recover from that, especially if they go in and beat Michigan this year. Um, depending on how that Michigan game goes, if Ohio State loses that, I think it may be a little too late in the season to recover. And if they lose to Michigan, they're probably not going to the Big Ten championship game, so they're probably not going to get the benefit of that either. So I think Penn State, as much as losing to them, would suck. I think Ohio State could recover from that, but I think losing to Michigan uh, would be something that they, they really can't recover from. And I don't think Ryan Day can recover from that too because that would be three years in a row. And In mm-hmm. my opinion, three strikes and you're out. Okay. Yeah, I was pretty much going to say the same thing because Michigan, I would say Michigan as well because they've already lost to Michigan, they being Ohio State, to Michigan two years in a row. And I've said it in a previous episode that I think Michigan will beat Ohio State until I'm proven wrong that I still think that is a strong case. I think you need to trade in your Ohio State fandom right now. And um, we can give credit where credit's due, but at the end of the day, we still have to be homers and pick Ohio State over Michigan every time. <laughs> and this, like, listen, David, I, I, I guess I can respect going with what has been done in the past, but this is a different Ohio State team, specifically defensively, than what we've seen the past couple years. I don't think that the defense played at this level or had this caliber of players on it um, like it did the past two seasons. They're better at stopping the run. They're better at defending the pass. So I think that the Michigan offense is not awful, but I don't think it's like great. So if you can slow the run down, if you can, you know, put pressure on J.J. McCarthy and make him make mistakes, I think this defense is going to allow this offense to be on the field a lot. And to be completely honest, I don't think anybody has a better wide receiving core than Ohio State does this year. So if if in this time period from, I think we have two games until we play Penn State, if Kyle McCord can exponentially continue to grow like he has been and – when they go into that Penn State game, they are clicking, and then they'll have a couple more games, and they'll play Michigan. And I am I actually think that they will win this game against Michigan this year because of those two reasons. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is for real. I think Emeka Abuka is – he's taken that next step. 
This is going to be another first-round pick wide receiver for Ohio State this year when both of them go out. I think they'll have two of them. And I think that that alone on the offense is is will help out. And then this defense is going to be huge. If they can continue to show that they are a top defense in college football, I don't think there's really many offenses that are going to be able to score a crap ton of points on them other than if they had to play like USC, Oregon looks like a really good offense. But other than that, I don't know if there's really any other offense that's going to be able to put up a ton of points on them. So their defense is going to keep them in games. But I do agree. I think Michigan is the team that will hurt their playoff chances because I don't think like the previous two years that they can have a loss. I think there's just too many good teams this year. And when you look at Georgia and Texas, um, Florida state, Oregon, USC, if all those teams have, if they're all undefeated going into the playoffs, a one loss Ohio state team is not going to make it into the playoffs, especially if Michigan is undefeated. So they 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 have to win out. They have to beat both of them. But in my opinion, I agree. I think Michigan is is the game to watch. Um, but Penn State is not somebody to be slept on. They are a good team this year too. So I don't know. Um, real quick, I know. Um, probably wasn't a, a topic that we really want to dive too deep into, but I did just want to get your guys' quick opinion on it. I don't know if everybody at home saw this or not, but. It's all over social media sports-wise, so if you follow sports social media pages and stuff like that, you've probably seen it at least once. Um, But if you don't know, Louisiana Tech's Brevin Randall, he's, I think, a defensive lineman. After a play, um, he stomped on the neck of UTEP offensive lineman Stephen Hubbard, Um, and then right now he's facing an indefinite suspension. So um, I'll go ahead and start with David. You know, what's your opinion on this? Um, Yeah. I think that Randall should be ashamed of himself regardless of why he thought it was a good idea. Um, I also want to kind of ask, how did this event not get noticed during the game? Because when I watched the replay of it, it didn't get noticed until during a replay by the replay team. Like none of the refs saw this hmm. until after like the medical team had to be brought onto the field. Things happen really quickly on the field. It's, you know, we don't know where the refs were situated when it exactly happened. So, you know, maybe where he was, you know, there was a lot of guys that were kind of blocking the ref view of what happened or they weren't looking, you know, in his direction. And fortunately they missed it. Yeah. Dom, uh, what's your opinion on this? I mean, there's really not much to be said. I, I think an indefinite suspension is the minimum. If, if I'm Louisiana Tech, I'm, I'm banning him from the program. There's no there's no excuse for, for that kind of behavior. And um, I hope the punk went home and uh, got an ass whooping from his mom because he kind of <laughs> deserves it. Um, no, I... It, I think his football career is over. I think he's he should be ashamed of himself, and I think he's a shit person for doing it. Yeah, definitely just a just a violent act for no reason. You know what I mean? I just I don't know. I'm they're already out there hitting each other at full speed. You know, throwing each other on the ground. I I just don't. 
I, I can understand being caught up in the moment, but that's just one that doesn't make much sense to me. So I don't know. And it just, like I said, it's just, it's just so violent and unnecessary. It's not even like it was an accident. You know what I mean? I think we had what in the NBA, was it Draymond that stepped on somebody, but it was looked more accidental than it did purposeful. You know what I mean? Obviously it's well, Draymond. These programs need to really put an effort into teaching these young kids how to handle their emotions because you know we we all lose our temper at times and it's easy to do that when you're playing a competitive sport at the level that these guys are playing at so they need to do a better job of teaching these kids how to control their emotions and not let themselves get out of hand like this because it there there's no place for it anywhere in society you know, let alone a football field. You can't be acting like this when the littlest thing doesn't go your way. It's not like this was a big play that cost them the game. It was just a normal play. You know, if if he reacts like that to something insignificant in the game, imagine if something doesn't go his way outside of football. How is he going to react then? You know, we we really need to to look at how we teach kids how to handle themselves. I agree. David, anything else to add to this before we move on? Nope. Summed up perfectly. All right. Um, yeah, let us know what you guys think at home. Um, if you don't want to watch the video, don't want to don't watch the video. Like I said, it's it's pretty violent and unnecessary, but if you've already seen it, let us know what you think. So all right, quarter three. This is where we talk about current topics in the NFL. If you don't already know, let's talk about the first one here. Are the Lions underutilizing Jameer Gibbs? Dom? I'm bringing, I have him in one of my fantasy teams. I'm bringing up the stats. Um, <laughs> but I, I think it kind of goes back to something that you mentioned earlier in teams kind of slowly bringing along their skill position players. Um, I don't necessarily think that they're underutilizing him other than they're kind of catering their offense to really let both Montgomery and Gibbs thrive in what they're best at. Um, Montgomery, he's a, a good traditional running back. He you know, runs with a lot of power, obviously great at the goal line. We saw with the three touchdowns against the Packers. Um, Gibbs is great receiving out of the backfield. And looking at his receiving stats, um, he had two targets in week one, nine targets in week two. He had five targets um, on four receptions against Green Bay. I, you know, he's not getting a lot of attempts rushing wise, but snap wise, you know, it it's not a true 50-50 split yet, but I think as the season goes on, they're going to use Gibbs more in their running game. They're just really utilizing him out of the backfield as, as a receiver right now. And, you know, if that's what his skill set is best at, then I don't really have a problem with it. You know, I, if he was best as a receiving back out of the backfield and they weren't using him in that way, then I would say that they're underutilizing his talents. But just because he's not getting 12, 15 carries a game doesn't mean that they're underutilizing him. Okay. All right. Uh, David, what's your opinion? David's chewing. I'll, uh, I'll go real quick. I, I agree slightly. I think I, I don't know. I just looked at this last game and I think Montgomery had like what, 30 carries or something like that or close to it. And I just kind of thought, like... He also had the hot hand and 
if you're a coach, you have to you have to feed the hand that's hot. And but it wasn't it wasn't like he only it was only three point eight yards a carry. It wasn't like he just had a lot of carries. You know what I mean? It's not like he was hot. He just had a lot of carries. And then he got the goal line opportunities. You know what I mean? So it's not like it's not like David Montgomery was out there wowing everybody with his runs. You know what I mean? It's not like he was breaking off crazy runs. So to me, it was like you could have allowed Jameer to have five more carries in that game. You know what I mean? I just I don't know. And he had the better per carry average. So he I think he has each week to David Montgomery. So you you look at that and you're like, is it a comfortability thing? Is it, hey, let's let him ease into the NFL? But I think it's more of that. But at the end of the day, like if he is the more talented all around back, then why not allow him to be that for you and allow him to help you win games? Like this is not a situation where he's sitting behind a back or two that are already really good, like JSN is in Seattle, where he's sitting behind two wide receivers who are probably gonna be Hall of Famers one day. You know what I mean? So you kind of look at that and you're like okay, it's just David Montgomery, you know what I mean? So I don't know. I mean, that's that's where I'm at with it. I understand receiving-wise he's getting a ton of touch, a ton of touches for running backs. I get that, or a ton of opportunities, I would say. Um, but it just was something I looked at. I was like, he could have gotten five more carries, and, and I think he would have been more efficient with those five more carries than what David Montgomery was. But they're just not. I mean, they're they're, they're winning, it. and I, I think over time we'll see his carries go up. I think it's we we've been seeing this for a while with with uh, young running backs. Unless you're like uh, Bajan Robinson, you know you're, you're brought along slowly. You're probably sitting behind someone splitting the backfield with a veteran, and then midway through the season, probably after the bye week, you know you really see them start to take over. And I, I think that's just what the the case is here. Um, and, and then for me, I would say that as long as David Montgomery is good with being the kind of like the main carrier, then I think things are fine because you got what Dom was saying with the more reception style running back. But also I, I'd argue that maybe they don't want to have Gibbs become the next injury prone Ezekiel Elliott, basically. Because you I mean, had any, anybody's gonna get was, anybody can get injured. I mean, I just don't. Yes, it's football. Anyone could could get injured, but you had Ezekiel Elliott who blew up his first what two years, and then his knees were shot, and then he wasn't really Zeke, the star Zeke running had, back. Zeke had a really good five year stretch. I mean, like I, now I'm not gonna discredit that offensive line they had there, but I mean Zeke. Zeke got paid for a reason for how good he was. Now, you think Davis? I think David's point is they're trying to. Running back is a very physically demanding position. Your lifespan is really short, so if they can, I, I can kind of save some tread on his tires for a little bit and kind of ease him into the NFL. I, I no, can get behind I that. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. I just again, it's it, to me, it's different if the guy in front of him is just significantly more talented than him, and I just don't believe that in the case in David Montgomery. Like, it'd be different if he was sitting behind like Derrick Henry or, and you know, Nick Chubb or Joe Mixon. You know what I mean? These guys who are top of the league running backs, but he's not. He's sitting behind David Montgomery, who's kind of bounced around the league a lot. Really hasn't. You know, his only other his only other team was the Bears. 
or maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. Anyway, um, who was he the one that wore 88 though? Who was that? No, dang it, I'm gonna that's gonna bug me anyway. But regardless, I don't think for the Bears, I don't know. I just I just think that he should be the one getting the majority of the carries because he does look more talented and look more better off the ball. But I agree. I guess ease him in. It's never a bad idea. I mean, especially since they're winning. You know, if they were yeah. losing and you know the the better player was sitting on the bench, yeah, I think you can make there there would there would be a lot more sympathy for your argument. But they're winning. He's he's learning how to be an NFL running back from a guy that's been in the league for like five years. You know, it's not like he's not seeing any snaps at all. He's still probably seeing like 40% of the snaps. Yeah. I don't know. Um, all right. Toy Story game. What's your guys' thoughts on it, David? I think that it was definitely a unique concept. Definitely mm-hmm. got uh the younger generation more into the game. And that's why I think it was directed at. So I do think it was directed at David. David was sitting there in his woody hat (laughs) and he was like, what's up partner. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that they definitely should kind of keep doing that idea. Obviously like uh, being more creative with it, Mm -hmm. not same thing every year, but um using utilizing the same basic concept yeah i i like the tracking i felt like it was pretty accurate to the actual game so it was fun um and i agree i think it was a lot more for the younger generation but it was it was cool to watch and interesting to see what they could do with that technology and like you said david if they could do more with it in the future or something different maybe we get a different thing that it's a part of but I don't know. What do you think, Tom? Um, I thought it was stupid, gimmicky, and I refused to watch it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm be- I'm being being honest with you. I, I as soon yeah, as I saw the the, you know, I, I really don't care if I go old man argument with this. You but are though. <laughs> I, I I I I really don't care about that. Um, I saw the ad for it, and I was like, this is so stupid. You know. Listen, it it created so many memes though because like I saw one. I don't care about memes. I care about football. I know, but it was really funny when there was a penalty and the slinky dog his his booty backed up, and they were like, "How demoralizing is that?" They the dog back his booty up because you got a ten yard. I wish this podcast was on video time so people could see my face right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'd listen, I, I don't think it's as bad. I think you're just kind of a hater sometimes on, on cool, new, innovative things. And like I said, this is this is something Because it's that, new doesn't mean it's good. Was it great? No, but I think that it's cool, it's innovative, it's new, and what they could do with the technology in the future is interesting. Because, the like I said, the mapping software or technology that they were using to map the game into that is super freaking cool. So it, if they could do something with that in the future, I don't know what they would do with that, but it seems interesting, and I'm I'm intrigued to see where that could go. That's really where I'm at from it. Not yeah, necessarily. I, I'm not like, arguing that the 
I'm not arguing that the technology is stupid. I just don't think that we need to be broadcasting live NFL games as Toy Story characters. I don't know. It really wasn't for you though, Dom. It was for kids. That's so. I mean, the game was still broadcasted normally. It just yeah. I get that. All right, next topic. <laughs> you get it. You get into football by watching football. If you're trying to to make it animated and look like a cartoon, so kids can get into it. But it I wasn't. I think that's like, a, a that's a gimmicky way to get kids into football. Is it though? Like, I mean, mo- most kids probably get into football like we do. We watched it with our dads, I, I don't or know. some or some family member. We didn't need to have them turn it into I just, toys. I think I think you're just missing on it because you're a crotchety old man. Like, I I, I don't know. Like, it's just it's kids would love like the majority of young kids that are probably like under the age of 11 love that shit. That's what I'm saying. Like it was, they got to see their real life characters that they've been watching in movies come to life and watch and, and play and be a part of a game. Like that's huge for kids. Like obviously we're not talking about 15 year old kids here. We're talking about young, young kids. Like, and all right, well, kids that yet. young don't have the attention span to sit through a whole football game, anyways. But they did on on Sunday morning when they were they? watching we the Toy Story Friends. Did they? I don't know. We do you know? Do you know? I don't want to say I do know because then that would imply that I was just watching all these kids watch this football game. <laughs> so I'm gonna <laughs> go with I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna assume that they were. <laughs> Anyway, next topic, CJ Stroud. <laughs> I'm trying to get me to catch a case. All right. <laughs> dun, dun. Dun, dun. <laughs> Olivia Benson's going to come for my ass. Um. <laughs> All right, David. CJ Stroud, through the first four weeks, what are your thoughts on him, man? I think he's been solid. He's thrown for a little over 1,200 yards. Six touchdowns, has a 100.6 QBR, and zero interceptions. So, all things considering, he's he's done pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, David, or not David, Dom, anything else to add? I've been super impressed. I think I, I thought coming into the into this season or going into the draft, I thought he was the most – NFL-ready quarterback out of all of the prospects. Um, definitely liked him a lot better than uh, Bryce Young. Mm-hmm. I, I thought just physically he he had the physical attributes more so than Bryce Young did, but I think talent-wise, I think he's was up there with really anybody. Um, so the fact that he's, he's played really well doesn't surprise me, but I am surprised at how well he has played. And I think he's really elevated the team to a level that you usually don't see rookies elevate the skill position players around him do, Mm -hmm. uh, which really gives me a lot of hope for his future. And I think out of all the Ohio State quarterbacks, as much talent as Justin Fields had coming into the NFL, I think C.J. Stroud is probably going to be the one that's going to be the most successful NFL quarterback to come out of Ohio State. I think what's really helping him right now is – his like his leadership and his calmness. I think that was one thing at Ohio State that we saw 
that he was a really good leader and that he stayed calm. And I think a lot of people criticized him that he didn't get like too emotional in situations, but he stayed, he he was always able to stay calm and be a really good leader. And I agree with you guys. I thought he would struggle a little bit more this season than what he has, but not because he's not good, but just because of the team that he's on, but he's been able to elevate them. I do think that they've, and I just, I'm excited to see what the rest of the season looks like. I don't know if he's going to be able to keep this up, but I mean, we're four games in, they're two and two. This is a team that looks like if he continues to play this way, that they could end up 500 or better. And I don't know if that's good enough for a playoff spot, but it would be close. You know what I mean? And I don't think that this team has been all that close in a couple years, if not a little bit more. So it's, it's awesome. And and to see him give that presser where he was like, you guys deserve to watch us win. Like, I don't think they'd won a home game. What, since like last year or 2021 or something like that. It was some weird stat that they hadn't won a home game in, in a while. And he was like, you guys deserve for us to do that and for him to be buying into this team, buying into the culture, buying into the city and just really going out there and and playing well and leading those guys. And like you said, Dom elevating everybody around him. This is, this is going to be awesome. He's going to be fun to watch for his career and I'm excited. And I, I think we also need to give a lot of credit to D'Amico Ryan's the head coach of the Texans Mm -hmm. coming in. This is his first year as a head coach. He was defensive coordinator at San Francisco for a while. But for him to come in and really change this organization and this the atmosphere in the building and really setting that culture that CJ Stroud fits into perfectly. Like not only does he have the physical abilities to succeed at the quarterback position, but he has the intangibles and the, the leadership skills that that you really need to be a franchise quarterback in the league. And you know, right now it's looking like a perfect match. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right. Um, from CJ Stroud, who's, you know, having a really great season to Sam Howell, who isn't having an awful season, but he's I think you look at his one game against Buffalo. He threw four interceptions there. But other than that, he's had a pretty solid season, um, a lot better than what I thought he would have. But what are your guys's thoughts, you know, through four weeks with Sam Howell and the Washington Commanders? Dom? Well, honestly, this is kind of how I expected C.J. Stroud to look. A lot of good things that we're seeing out of him. Um, obviously, some downs, but it's his first year as a as a starter. Um, Sam Howell was what drafted in the third round. I think so. Yeah. It was like third or fourth round. So I, I think... no, no, he was he was drafted round five, pick one forty four. All right, well, that's even more impressive. I, I know there was, um, I know that there were some expectations coming out of college because he did have a pretty successful career in college, but I think he has really exceeded expectations and, you know, he's got a decent team around him. Obviously there's some holes on that commander's team, but you know, there's a good culture set by Ron Rivera in that locker room. You know, I think the offense is good enough for him where he can kind of grow into the position and, they're not expecting too much out of him, which I think really helps a lot. But I, I think his his play is good, and I think he's got a good future ahead of him. I don't think he probably won't be an elite quarterback, 
But I think he could definitely be a guy that's going to be a starter in this league for a long time. All right. Uh, David, what do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree with Dom. Yeah, he's a little bit rough around the edges. I mean, he's he's thrown for 961 yards, four touchdowns, five interceptions, and for an 81.3 rating. So for a guy who's a fifth-round pick, um, that is a lot better than I think a lot of people expected. Yes, he's still rough around the edges, but he's still a rookie, and he was a fifth-round pick. No one expected him to be anything good. Right, and I mean, any time you have a quarterback that's in his first year starting, I mean, he sat all of last year, but his first year starting, everyone's going to be rough around the edges. But, yeah, I, I agree with David. Yeah. And listen, like I said, that that Buffalo game skews his stats a little bit because I think, you know, from what we saw, what that defense was able to do, the Miami offense, you know, he went in there and it was kind of a buzzsaw, right? Through four interceptions, that's something he's going to have to learn and grow from. But this past week, you know, he took the Eagles to an overtime game. So I think that that's something that you can look at with this commander's team where I think this defense is all right. I think it's, you know, you're getting Chase Young back, who's had a couple good games, and you still on the offensive side have really good weapons. Um, so I just think that if he's able to continue to develop and grow, that when we look at next season, this should be a team that can compete for a playoff spot. Um, I know that I know that division's kind of hard because the Cowboys are are clicking right now and the Eagles are what the Eagles are, but I, I don't know. I, I think that if he's able to continue to develop and, and not turn the ball over a lot, I think you'll have a pretty good career, like Dom said. So, but let's go to the man of the hour, the ex Cleveland Brown here, and we'll get the two uh two fans' opinions. Baker Mayfield, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, guys. What is your thoughts on this team through four weeks, who are three and one? David, kind of surprising. Um. Baker Mayfield has thrown some solid stats, 882 yards, seven touchdowns, two interceptions, and a 101.5 QBR. So I think that those are actually pretty decent stats. Um, And, of course, he's doing this not on the Cleveland Browns, so that is a typical Cleveland thing where someone else can have success somewhat decently on another team and uh, let's do it here. Huh? Let's calm down there a little bit. Hey, I said somewhat decently. All right. He's they're three and one and they look like they are going to win that division and be a pretty solid playoff team. Yeah. Why has he got to calm down? What's your opinion? No, I was telling David to calm down about about his Cleveland comment. It wasn't a Baker comment. It was more of a a typical Cleveland sports comment. But he's not right. Most he's not. It's not. He's not wrong. But it's like, all right, we got to hear this again. But you do because it's happening again. I mean, like, but but it's it's not like we're in a bad situation either. It'd be one thing if we got rid of him and had Dorian Thompson Robinson as our starting quarterback. You do and, because Deshaun Watson can't throw the ball because okay, it was one game. It was, it was one game, and you we're lost not, the chub. 
What what is what does losing Nick Chubb have to do with Baker Mayfield doing well in, in Tampa Bay? Well, you were saying you're in a good situation. You're one and three. No, we're not. We're not one and three. We're not the oh, sorry, two two and two. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, whatever. It's like, regardless, it's like, why couldn't he have had any amount of success here in Cleveland? And we could have avoided this whole Deshaun Watson storm uh, that we've. I mean, I think he did have a decent level of he He's had more success in Cleveland than any other quarterback than we've seen in our lifetimes, definitely since 99. Um, you know, I'm, I'm happy for him. I never hated Baker. It's just we had him for four years, and we saw it all the time. He would go through stretches where he looked like a franchise quarterback, and then he would fall back, and everyone would question, okay, is he a franchise quarterback? You know, it, I'm glad that he's playing really well now, but he's never been the guy that can can do that consistently at the NFL level throughout a whole season, let alone multiple seasons. So I'm glad he's playing really well right now. I hope he can keep it up. But if he was able to play this level consistently every, through a whole season, the Browns wouldn't have gotten rid of him. They got rid of him for a reason. Um, you know, whether you agree with the Deshaun Watson move or not, I think talent-wise, you know, it's a, a good move. I think we've, we're seeing a lot of good signs from Deshaun Watson this year on the field. Um, I looked at the Tennessee game specifically where he looked like Deshaun Watson of old. Um, it's probably a good thing that he sat out this last week because if his shoulder was as injured as he says, or as the team says that it was, that it's probably good that he sat out so he didn't injure it further because we saw what happened to Baker last year. But, you know, I, I think it's, you know, I think both organizations are in a good spot. I think the Browns are in a good spot. This year, I think the the Buccaneers are are in a good spot right now. And, you know, just because he's on a different team doesn't mean that I'm going to hate the guy. I'm, I'm glad he's having some success. I just want to say from the outside looking in, I disagree. I think Baker could have been successful with the Browns. I think when you look at this Tampa Bay roster, specifically offensively offensive weapons, outside of Nick Chubb, I think that this is the best offensive weapons that Baker's ever had as a starter. Um, I think that it's the most stable organization he's been a part of. I'm going to take the Rams out of it just because he was only there for a small bit of time, but I think it's a better, it's a more stable organization. There's not a lot of dysfunction. And when you look at Baker's first two years of his career, you know, they played will they, won't they with him starting with Hugh. And then he had to have, what, Freddie Kitchens year two, who was just probably the worst NFL head coach of all time and ran one of the worst or he ran one of the worst programs I think I've ever seen. And then you go into year three and that's the first year in that system. I think that's the year they beats Pittsburgh in the playoffs. So he actually had a pretty decent season that year if he could build off of that. And then you go into year four and he plays hurt all year, which I always said that he shouldn't. But I think just that either the competitor competitor in him or the team was pushing him to play, whatever it may have been. But really, the first two years, I can't blame him because 
probably one of the most dysfunctional situations he's ever going to be in. And year three, he was building, getting better. And then year four, he was hurt. So like in reality, yes, they moved on from him, moved to Deshaun Watson. And in theory, if Deshaun Watson can get back to where he was in Houston, then of course I agree that that's probably a better talent than what Baker will ever be able to reach. But we're really banking on the fact that Deshaun Watson could get there and he can stay healthy. And I just, I think that he landed in a spot where they're more stable. They have a good coaching staff. They have, he has really good weapons around him. That defense is not as good as the Browns defense, but it's solid. It's up there. So I don't know. I'm, I think that this is a team that obviously I don't, I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl, but I think they can compete. And I think this is a team that's going to be froggy. And this is a team that, if somebody sleeps on in the playoffs, they might get a win. You know what I mean? So I, I don't, I don't know. I, I just look at this and I go, I agree with Dom. I hope he can continue the success, but I don't, I just don't see it him not being able to, I think the team around him is good enough. I think he'll have some bad games. It is what it is, but I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to see him have some success and, and really be able to be somewhere with consistency and see what that looks for him because we haven't been able to see that for him. Um and 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 I think that's that's what he needed. So I don't know. Anything else you guys want to add on this one? I mean, the only other thing that I would add, you know, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. And I, I do agree that the team that Baker came into is not this it's it's not the same team that it is now. And it Historically, yes, the Bucks have been a more stable franchise. But again, we still have not seen Baker put up good numbers throughout a whole season. Even the 2021 year or 2020 year when we made the playoffs, Baker started off the year the same way he played in 2019. And that's not that good. And around week six or seven, you know, he really figured it out and, and was good the rest of the way. But still, we have not seen him. You have to you have it, to give him yeah, that get, credit. Like he hadn't he hadn't yeah. really been able to develop, and he was in a new system. It was different. Like, and he figured it out. He got it, and you guys had a really good second half of your season. You know what I mean? So it's like, yes, I agree, but it, the consistency was never really there. And in okay. year four, he played hurt, so you really couldn't see what his full potential was in that offense. You know, having a year under his belt in it. So I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to say it's going to be one of the biggest what ifs in NFL history, but I do think for the Cleveland Browns, when you look at a guy who who embraced the team, embraced the city um, in the way that they kind of pushed him out, it really, I don't know, I think it yeah. really looks bad for other guys around the league who, who would want to come in there and do the same. So I don't know. Um, all right. Last question. We're going to stick in the AFC North after our kind of Baker's Browns talk, but with the Bengals one and three, the Steelers two and two, the Browns two and two, were we too high on this division going in? I know obviously we thought the Bengals would make the playoffs. The Ravens look like a team that could make the playoffs. We looked at the Browns as a team that could potentially make the playoffs and the Steelers as a team that probably wouldn't make the playoffs, but at least would perform better than what they have been. Um, were we too high or were we kind of just being homers with it because we're Steelers Browns fans? What do you think, David? 
I think we are a little bit too high. I mean, it's still somewhat early. And most of these teams have always been second half teams anyways. So we'll have to wait and see. But for right now, as it sits, I think we are a little bit too high. Okay. Dom, what do you think? Um, Maybe we were a little bit too high on the Bengals. But I think overall as a division, I don't think we were too high on them. Um, you know, these teams play each other twice a year. They're all good teams. So, you know, it, it's not hard to fathom that a team like the Browns, who has played three division games in four weeks, is two and two in, in a really tough division. Um, you know, I, I think the only team that's really been disappointing is the Bengals. I think the Steelers' offense has been a little underwhelming and not performing up to what we thought they would, but they they still have put up more points than the Bengals have. Um, so if there's anything to to really write home about, it's it's that, I guess. Um, but no, the, these are four good teams that, you know, you can make an argument would split the season series with every other division opponent that is in the division. Yeah, I agree this is probably a little bit of an overreaction topic. You know, I, I think when you look at the Bengals, like, I don't think we were wrong about them. I just think Joe Burrow is not healthy, and I think that really hurts them. I think this defense is definitely have a lot of question marks, but we said that at the beginning of the season. We knew what this defense was going to be. We knew that Joe Burrow and that offense were going to have to score points to keep up with people. But I think Joe Burrow being hurt, you know, doesn't help. And I personally thought the offense would be a little bit better for the Steelers. Obviously, I underestimated how bad Matt Canada could be at calling plays, but that's just where I'm at with that. And I think the Browns, I think that game against the Ravens was winnable if you have Deshaun Watson playing like he did against the Titans. Um, and you have Nick Chubb who's healthy, you know what I mean? But again, like Dom said, these are teams that should win their home games against their division rivals, and they'll probably lose the away games you know what I mean it's just a tough division so but they have to win the games on the outside to make it count for when it comes to playoff time but I don't know we'll we'll watch this and kind of ask this question maybe four or five weeks from now and see if we feel the same so we all kind of said maybe maybe not you know being too high on them but I think there's just a lot of question marks when it comes to different things in this division um and even the Ravens have question marks. I don't think that they're without fault. I just think that they're they're the ones who have three wins right now. <laughs> so that is kind of what it is. But all right, quarter four. We are entering our final stretch here before we hit the overtime drive to win the game. Projection time. I got uh, two college games and three professional games for us to kind of look forward to this week to watching and for you guys to watch as well, too. Um. First up, Oklahoma versus Texas. In my opinion, Texas, this is going to be their big test of the year. Um, They need to win this game, and they need to go out there and prove that they can beat a rival, prove that they can play a quality team and win this. Um, And then I think after this, they they can kind of really coast the rest of the year and find themselves in the playoffs. But what do you guys think, Dom? Um, as much as I've been impressed with Oklahoma this year, I think this is Texas all the way. Um, I, I I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I I think Texas is probably going to win by like ten points or something like that. All right, David. 
I also think that this is going to be a Texas win, mainly because if they want to keep the top four spot, they're going to have to win. Um, so more out of a desperation play than anything. Um, so there's that. I agree. I think Texas wins this. I think it's a close game just because it's a rivalry. Um, so I'm going to go 35-28. I think this is where this game ends up. I think it's close. I think it's gritty. I think uh, I think Quinn Ewers, you know, shows us that he should be a guy to look at when it comes to draft time and a guy to look at when it comes to giving him credit for uh, for you know elevating this team's play. So, all right, next one. I think this is going to be a trap game for Georgia. It's Kentucky versus Georgia, guys. I Georgia really hasn't played anybody of consequence this year, and yes. You know, we give them the benefit of the doubt, but this Kentucky team is a good team. They're a good squad. They have some talent. I think this might be a trap game for Georgia, but what do you guys think? David, Georgia versus Kentucky. I still think it's going to be Kentucky, or sorry, not Kentucky, Georgia victory. Okay, Dom? Yeah, this is going to be Georgia, and as much as I want them to lose because that would help Ohio State, um, I think this is going to be Georgia in a big way. I don't really see this game being really close. Okay. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. Kentucky's not a horrible team. It's just I know Georgia hasn't really played anyone of consequence yet, but that you look at the that the talent on that team that it's it's a big advantage that they have. Uh, they have one of probably the most talented team top to bottom in college football still. And they're going to be favored in every game. Okay. All right. Um, Just because I, I want it to happen so bad, I'm going to go with Kentucky on this one. And I think it's close. I think we I hope look, you're right. I hope you're right. I yeah, think, I, hope uh, so. I think 28-21. 28-21. I think that's where we're at. I think it's low-scoring game, hard fought. I don't know. I just – I I really want them to, and I just have a feeling that Georgia's going to walk into this game and 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 think that they have the best talent across the board. And I do agree with Dom. I think this team is way more talented than what Kentucky is player wise. But I don't know. This just kind of this feels like one of those games where we look at and we're like, dang, that had a lot of consequence on the college football playoff. Um, I don't know. We'll see. All right. Professional time. Bears, Commanders. Dom, what you got on this game? Uh, commanders. Yeah. And until proven otherwise, the Bears have the worst team in football. Um, I, I think it'll be similar to what we saw against the Broncos. I think it's going to be pretty high scoring. Um, I think the Commanders have a weak enough defense where Justin Fields can, can put up decent numbers again. I don't think he'll he'll have as good of a day against this defense as he did against Denver, but I think he'll look good. I think Sam Howell will continue this this run of good play. I think it's the perfect team to have a really good game against, and I would really expect you know Terry McLaurin and and all the guys on on the Commanders' offense to really have a good day. Okay, David. Also, Commanders, um, they've shown improvement throughout the years they've always been kind of like a decent team 
And Chicago really has been more of trash bears than da bears. So, damn. He's, he's always got to try to be punny. Not the trash bears. <laughs> um, I I agree, but I think that that there won't be much scoring on the Bears' side. I think this commander's defense is a little bit better um, than the Broncos' defense. And not that Justin Fields is going to go out there and be bad. I hope that's not the case. But I just think they're going to be able to put a little bit more pressure on Justin Fields. And I think that that will lead to the commanders getting a win. I hope I'm wrong. I really want Justin Fields to get a win. Um, But at this point, I feel like if the Bears have the worst record in the league, then they'll be more likely to let Justin Fields go somewhere else so he can be successful. And then they'll draft Caleb Williams, or they won't draft Caleb Williams because he won't go in the draft or whatever. But if they have the first overall pick, they'll be more likely to let Justin Fields go somewhere else because they'll just reset the organization. You know what I'm well, saying? So. They'll have to they'll have to trade him. It's not like he's a free agent. But no, no, I I I know. I, just... I think you know, I, I like I said, I don't think he's going to have as good of a game, but I think there's still going to be opportunities against this commander's offense where he could still take what he did against the Broncos and, and build off of that. Yes. I, I think I think he played well enough where we saw, okay, he's got the talent to to be an NFL quarterback. Let's, let's see him build off of that. It can't just yeah. be one really good game and then the rest of the season he's what he has been. Yeah. Um, you know, luckily he goes from the Broncos to the Commanders, who yes have a, a better defense than the Broncos, but they're still not that that great of a defense. So I, I think the Broncos game was a, a nice building block, and I want to see him put another little building block on top of it. Yeah, I agree. I'm just saying I think that he's not gonna have as much success, which will lead to the commanders winning that game. That's just yeah. what I'm saying. Um, all right, Eagles Rams, David. What do you got on Eagles Rams? Eagles. Because, yes, the Rams have shown some decent play, and you've got Puka, who is surprising almost everyone with some impressive play. But I think that uh, Philadelphia has more of the solid team, whereas the Rams have more of the spotty, I guess you could say, offense. Yeah, they're having success, but it's more like, Hit or miss. Yeah. Dom, what do you got? I'm going to go for the upset here. I'm going to go with the Rams. I think the Eagles have been playing with fire the last couple of weeks and mm-hmm. have gotten lucky to still be undefeated. I think this Rams team were, they haven't, hasn't really been given a lot of credit for how well they've played. you got a healthy um, – I almost said Sam Darnold. They have, they have a healthy <laughs> Matt Stafford. Um, Kyron Williams has been playing really well. Puka Nakua has – honestly really made a good argument for rookie of the year and you're getting Cooper cup back. You know, I, I think you, this, this Eagles team can only play with fire so many times before they, before they catch a loss. And I think this could be the week that they do it. I, I think this defense has left a lot to be desired. Um, they've, they've given up some big numbers to really every quarterback that they've played. And I don't see why that doesn't continue. I, uh, I'm i glad you said it, Dom, because I'm going to agree with you. <laughs> I 
I feel like we looked at this Rams team and now listen, do they have a ton of talent? No. But they still have Aaron Donald, who's playing at a high level. And they still have Matthew Stafford, who I think through these first four weeks has shown us that he is still a top five quarterback in the league. Am I being crazy by saying that? Maybe. I don't know. But I think that Matthew Stafford is still playing at a high level. And when you look at a guy like Puka Nakua out of the fifth round, should not be putting up the numbers that he is. I do think a lot of it has to do with his talent, but I think equally you have to look at how good Matthew Stafford is at getting him involved. Um, Could you look at a guy like Tutu Atwell who looked pretty much out of the offense completely, um, and they've figured out a way how to use him as well too. And I think a lot of credit has to go to Matthew Stafford. And I want them to get this win. I want them to be like, hey, we're still here. We may not win the Super Bowl this year, but we're close. And we're going to do another offseason of retooling and adding talent. And we'll be right back in the Super Bowl hunt um, like we should be. So I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Upset alert. Anything else to add on this one, guys? No? No. All right. This is my game of the week. Cowboys 49ers for a couple reasons. I think that this was looked like the best game of the week when I saw it, um, but also has a lot of implications. I think that this is a big test for Dak and the Cowboys to see how real of contenders they are. And I think if the 49ers can beat the Cowboys, maybe even roll over them, I think that we could really clearly look at this 49ers team and say, hey, this is the team to beat the NFC. But what is your guys' opinion on this game? Um, we'll go with Dom first. I, I've really been going back and forth on how to pick this game because I'm really interested to seeing Brock Purdy go against this Cowboys defense. I know they're missing digs, but this is still a good defense. Um, I'm also interested to see Dak going up against the 49ers defense. I, I think I think the 49ers come away with this. But I don't. I don't think it's going to be that high scoring of a game, and I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be close. Um, you know, do do the 49ers defense have enough to really slow down all the weapons that the Cowboys have on offense? I don't know. Same could be said for the Cowboys defense because the 49ers also have a lot of weapons. I think top to bottom, these are two of the best teams in the NFC and I can't wait to see this game. All right, David, what do you got? Yeah, that's, I think it's going to be a true Testament to Brock Purdy because this is going to be a real challenge for him. Cause like Dom said, this is, even though the Dallas Cowboys are missing one of their main defensive stars, this defense is no slouch. Um, and that's me not really caring for the Dallas Cowboys that much because to me, they're, they're the NFL's New York Yankees. And we all know my feelings on the Yankees. So, um, I think that if we are going to see Brock Purdy cement as being as good as we think he is going to be, then 
we'll see it this this weekend, but I'm gonna say probably 49ers. Um yeah, I agree with you, Dom. I think um I think these two teams look very similar on paper. You know, I think that the 49ers have better when you look at their like offensive weapons, I think in totality they're better than the Cowboys. But outside of that, I mean, they're very complete. Their defenses are pretty solid. You know, they have two quarterbacks who aren't necessarily going to wow you, but they can throw really well. They have good arms. Um, they get the guys who need to get involved. Dak seems to have been – he seems a little bit safer with the ball this year so far. Um so I don't know. I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. I'm going to say the Cowboys get the best of the 49ers in this one, but I think if they meet again in the playoffs, the 49ers will win the game. I think that's where we're going to be at with this one, but I think it's going to be like a low-scoring game. I think we see the defenses really have an effect on these guys, and I think maybe 21, I don't know, 18 or something maybe. It'll be close. So... All right, let's go into our overtime drive. I just got a couple fun games for you guys, and then we'll close out real quick, okay? Um, We're going to play Will They or Won't They? So this one is going to be head coaching changes when the season is done. So will they or won't they um, have head coaching changes in the offseason? I'll leave this open for you guys to answer at any point. First one up, Chargers. Dom, you're muted. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I think they will. Yes. Okay. I agree. I say yes. Um, Bears. Yes. yes. I agree. Jets. No. No. I'm going to say no as well. Giants. No. No. Because I'm going to say. Think it, I was right. going to say no because I don't think it's a Dabo thing more than it is. Just Daniel Jones being a terrible quarterback. Um, I, I agree with David on that. I'm going to go yes, only because they paid him so much money and he can't go anywhere that they'll make the change in hopes that that fixes it. But that organization is so dysfunctional that they're too stupid to understand that that's not the real problem. So I'm going to go yes. Um, The Bengals. No. No. I agree. As long as Joe Burrow's there, he's going to pretty much, unless he literally calls for the firing of his head coach, as long as he performs well, they're going to keep him. I agree. I mean, I, I think that Zach, Wil- Zach Wilson, Zach Taylor's, you know, probably a little overrated as a coach and yeah. is carried significantly by Joe Burrow, but they've, they've had too much success with – Zach Taylor's head coach just to get rid of him after one down year. That's not really a fault of coaching as it is just Joe Burrow being injured. I think if Joe Burrow was completely healthy, this team would probably be sitting at two and two, three and one and being the Bengals that we've seen over the last couple of years. So I don't think they're going to move on from Zach Taylor just because they're having a down year right now. Yeah, I agree. Um, I just threw them in there just because, like, I'm not super high on Zach Taylor. I don't think the rest of the league really is. And I think he's, like Dom said, he's really only there because of the success that Joe Burrow's been able to give him. Um, 
but I kind of saw this like down year as maybe an out for the organization to go try to find somebody better. But I agree. I think he'll probably stick around for another year. And then maybe if they have another down year, then maybe they'll think about it. But um, these two are bigger coaching names within the league. First one up, Patriots. Yes, but only because Bill retires. I don't, he's never going to get fired from, yeah. from his position. But the only way that that position is going to be available is if he retires. And I don't know. I wouldn't blame him for retiring now. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't blame him for retiring, but I don't think they'll fire him or he'll retire. Like I, it would be a lot for him to get fired or retire. I don't think he gets fired and I don't think he retires. I think they mutually part ways. And I think that Bill looks for a job that he can win with. And I think if I think he only parts, I think they only mutually part ways if the Chargers job opens up. And I think Bill goes and slides into that one. That's the only job where I think he'd be willing to go slide into, but I think they mutually part ways. I think that this... At Bill's age, I don't think he takes another coaching job. I think this is it. If he walks away, and if it is a mutual agreement, I think he's he's just done. You know, it's not like he's a 45-year-old coach that has, you know, his whole career ahead of him. He's in his 70s now. I don't think he's going to want to take over another team uproot everything that he's built, you know, in his personal life over the last 23 years. You know, I, I don't think he's going to want to move across the country to coach the Chargers for one year to possibly win another Super Bowl. I don't think if he goes there, it's for one year. And the only reason I say it is because the competitor that he is, I don't think he's going to want to retire with the – with everybody remembering his last years the way that it has gone. So the yeah, only... I don't think that's what he's going to be remembered for. They're good. When you think of Bill Belichick, even though things haven't gone maybe as planned since Tom Brady left, the first thing that you think of when you think of Bill Belichick is all the Super Bowls that he won and, and how he's regarded as the greatest coach of all time. Just because he had a couple bad years after Brady left, I don't think that really hurts his legacy at all. I don't think it hurts the totality of his legacy, but I does I do think that there's a question mark because Brady went and did it without him and he was he has not been able to do without Brady. And I don't know I don't know how well, Yeah, but but look at who on, replaced hold Brady. Hold on. I don't know how important that is to him. You know what I mean? Is that important because we don't really know what's going on in his circle or his mind. You know what I mean? Is that important to him to do that or does he care? You know what I mean like He's a true competitor. He wants to win. He wants to compete. So if that matters for him to go do it without Brady, then I think that he looks at this team and goes, there's just not enough there. It's time for them to reset, and I'm not interested in doing a rebuild. I'm going to go to a team that's ready to be successful now that I that with my coaching knowledge, I could win with. You know what I'm saying? And I think that the Chargers is that, or not is, but are that team. You know what I mean? So that's the only reason that I would say yes to him, you know, mutually leaving. But I do agree if there's not a team available, he either retires at the end of this season or at the end of next season. I don't think he goes very much farther with the Patriots than that. I just think at his age, it'd be one thing if he was in his 60s, but he's in his early 70s. I think he's going to be 71 by the end of this year. 
I, I don't know if he's going to be inclined to take out another job, especially, you know, going across the country and, and really starting over. I know that the, the Chargers have a good team on paper, but, you know, you're, you're really uprooting everything. And, you know, he's probably at the point now where, you know, what else is there for him to accomplish? He's won all the Super Bowls. He's already regarded as the greatest coach of all time. You know, he'd just be hanging around just just to hang around. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure he wants to enjoy retirement. I don't know. I don't think he'd just be hanging around to hang around. But we'll see. That, that'll that be – I think that'll be a big one to look at in the offseason. Um, last one, Steelers. No. No. No? Okay. I agree. This was just one I thought about because of kind of how – stale they've looked the past five years and you know when I know they haven't had a losing season but they have not had that level of success that you would think that they would under a Mike Tomlin led team so that kind of made me think hey maybe the organization says hey this is a little stale maybe they might be looking at a rebuild maybe Mike Tomlin's not interested in that um, because it seems like they have been kind of kicking the can down the road so maybe they say, hey, we want to rebuild. And Mike Tomlin goes, I don't want to do that. And maybe they look at being like, hey, let's move on. You know what I mean? That's the only reason I kind of put that one up there. Not that I want him to I, move on. I disagree. Just, you know, from the outside looking in, a lot of these teams over the last five years, I think have only been 500 or better because of Mike Tomlin. Yeah. You know, you, you look at the year you had Duck Hodges at quarterback. Um, you look at last year, how the year shredder and how it ended. I think a lot of the shortcomings of the team really over the last decade has been, you know, upper management and, and you know, who's really building the roster. You know, even when you had the killer bees, there was always a big hole in that secondary that was always letting you guys down at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at the team now, you know, did Mike Tomlin have a say in drafting Kenny Pickett? I'm just, Maybe I don't know. I don't really know how the chain of command works in 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 the Steelers organization. But at the end of the day, he has he's he can only do what he can with the team that he's given. And I I think he's really pulled the best out of of guys that he's been able to. And I think over the last couple of years, you know, it's been kind of a miracle you guys have have had five hundred seasons. And as a Browns fan. I'm kind of jealous that you guys are like, oh, we've only had 500 seasons for the last five years. Maybe uh, we need a new coach. And <laughs> Browns fans for the last 20 years have like, wow, we won six games. We're heading in the right direction. And then we go, you know, 0 and 16 and, and 1 and 15. So, yeah. No, I'm listening. Be- I, I don't want him to go anywhere. I think he'll go down as if not the best, one of the best coaches in Steelers history. I think one of the best coaches in I NFL think it'll history. Be one of, I think he'll be one of, because as good as he's been, I don't think he's going to compare to Chuck Noll or um, uh, Bill Cowher. I think if he can get another Super Bowl, if that's possible, I think that he would, like I said, he's one of the best coaches in Steelers history, one of the best coaches in NFL history. I don't want him to go anywhere. I'm just trying to think in the mind of the new general manager that they have. He seems a little bit more cutthroat. He seems a little bit more willing to make drastic changes. And I'm just wondering if he goes, hey, I 
inherited Mike Tomlin. This team has been pretty average for the past five years. He's not willing to get rid of, you know, um, the I can't think of the stupid offensive coordinator's name, My, Matt Canada. You know what I mean? Like he's just not willing to make those kind of changes and we want something different. And I'm just wondering if that's what's going to maybe push them over the edge to make that change. And I don't want them to, but I'm just trying to get in the mind of of them and, and kind of see where they're at with that. So I don't know. We'll uh we'll play this game maybe later in the season once we hit like week sixteen or seventeen. We'll we'll do this again and I'll throw these teams back up there and maybe add a couple more depending on where we're at. But I just wanted to throw that out there now after four weeks and kind of seeing where we're at. So um real quick, contender or pretender. I know we talked about uh Texas University earlier, but are they a contender or a pretender this year for the national championship? Contender. I agree. I agree. Um, we'll play overreaction, and then we'll be done. Overreaction. Bengals missed the playoffs this year. No. No. Not an overreaction at all. No. They're, they're sitting at one and three. I know it's still early, but I, I think they're they're getting a little too far behind a lot of the top teams in the AFC to really catch up. I agree. I agree. Um, I saw this uh, tweet by not tweet. Do you still call it a tweet or is the next now? I don't, I don't know what you would call it. Um, But Robert Griffin, the third made a post on social media about Puka Nakua being a top 20 wide receiver in the league right now. Is that an overreaction or not an overreaction? That's that's an overreaction. And and RG three since he's been an analyst has has been known to make uh, kind of bombastic statements like that. Yeah, um, the overreaction as well. I I will yeah, say I, I, I will say this. I'm again. I'm impressed with what he's been able to do, but let's calm down here. You know. Yeah, I will say this though. Do you guys know that if he continues the pace that he's on, that he is actually on a better pace at this point than what Megatron was and what Cooper Cup was when they had their historic seasons at wide receiver. Now, I'm not saying he's going to continue that, but he is on that pace to be in a similar realm of those guys. I know Cooper Cup is coming back, so that definitely could affect that. Exactly. That's what I was just going to say. But to that point, through the four weeks of him being on that pace – does that change your opinion of him being a top 20 wide receiver in the league? Or do you want to see him do it more before you make that kind of a call? Do it more. I I think, I think Cooper cup's going to come back and he's immediately going to go back to the number one. And Puka is going to go to the number two when he's been the number one so far, you know, I, he's getting all of these targets because it's him and Tutu Atwell at wide receiver. Um, you bring back Cooper Cup, and he's going to be Cooper Cup. He's going to be getting most of the looks. Um, not to say that um, Book is just going to become completely irrelevant. I think he's still going to be an effective number two, but he's not going to be getting, you know, 17 targets a game like he has been. Okay. All right, all right, all right. Well, that ends this episode. Um, as always, guys, we really appreciate you listening to these episodes. Let us know what you think. Please, please, please comment on our posts. But other than that, I am Nick. I was joined by Dom and David today. This was another episode of Two Minute Drill presented by Deep Dive Sports, and we will catch you in the next one.
Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Two Minute Drill. And make sure to follow the show on Instagram at Two Minute Drill Podcast, D-D-S. Don't forget to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can listen to all of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. Also, comment on all our posts and episodes. We would love to hear what you think about the show and what we talk about each week. And as always, Two Minute Drill listeners, until next time.